Good morning. It's good to see you today. I'm glad that you've come to be a part of this service today as we celebrate our love for the Lord, as we worship together. We have a special Sunday day with our uh, mission group recognitions, and uh, it's always a good day to be in the house of the Lord, so I'm grateful that you're here. There is a tear-off on our bulletin. If you would fill that out, if you're visiting with us, we uh, appreciate that, and that way we would know better how to serve you. Also, if you have prayer requests, you see there is a place on there for prayer requests, and we take those seriously and pray over those on, in our staff meeting on Tuesday. So uh, if you would like to share a prayer concern, you may do that and drop that in the plate or give it to me at the conclusion of the service, and I'll make sure it gets to uh, our staff meeting. The opportunities of the week are listed in the bulletin. Deacons, please take note of the time change for our deacons meeting tonight at 5 o'clock. That's so that at 7 o'clock we can all gather in the Family Life Center for our uh, musical program, I Just Can't Keep From Singing. Uh, it um, will be in the Family Life Center, and following the service, uh, there'll be sweets, right? And there will be a nursery. So to let you know that there will be a nursery tonight. Uh, as well. So uh, keep those things in mind, but deacons, just please take note of the time change for deacons meeting because of the um, program at 7 o'clock. Uh, the other announcements for the week, let me highlight the child care end of year program that will be held at 615 here in the uh, sanctuary on Wednesday. And prior to that, we will have uh, our traditional spaghetti supper uh, that we usually have when we have uh, child care uh, end of year program. And then the following week, we will have our Awana celebration program, and that will close out our Wednesday activities, at least our fall, spring Wednesday activities. Um, you see that as well. On Wednesday, we will have our midweek Bible study at 11 o'clock. And um, on uh, Friday, the teenagers are leaving at 1.30 to go to the Botanical Gardens in Norfolk. And then there will be Dominican Republic mission training on Saturday at 7 o'clock. Also, there will be a called business meeting Sunday, June 10th after the 11 a.m. service to vote on the compensation package and job description for the Minister of Music position. So keep that in mind. Following this service, next Sunday, we will uh, vote on the compensation package and job description for the Minister of Music position. Also, in our newsletter, uh, and Pat will own up to this, we got the wrong date for her mother, Jean Brooks, everybody knows Jean. Jean is an artist, and they are doing an, uh, a display of her work at Covenant Woods. And we had the wrong date uh, in the uh, newsletter. Uh, it was supposed to be Tuesday, June 5th. And the time again, tell me, 4 to 5. They are going to display her art there and have a little reception for her, but the art will be up for a while. But they're going to have a reception for Jean there at Covenant Woods. Uh, on Tuesday, so uh, you are invited to go, uh, just letting you know that, but please make note of the date change. It's not Thursday, June 7th, it's Tuesday, June 5th from 4 until 5. So I hope you can go and be an encouragement to Jean there. I don't know how many pieces of her art they're going to display. Do you know, Pat? Okay, so, um, okay. But we love, and Jean's sitting beside you. I can't see her. <laughs> I see her now. So um, anyway, but I wanted to make you aware of that. Um, and also, Elf Karen has an announcement.
Merry Christmas. <laughs> it's Operation Christmas Child Time. Through Samaritan's Purse, marvelous shoebox project, God has given us unparalleled opportunities to touch the lives of millions of boys and girls in over 150 countries. Many of these children have never received a gift before and have never heard the true meaning of Christmas until they open shoeboxes filled with gifts from people like you. McCannsville Baptist Church goal in 2018 is to give 405 children the opportunity to hear about God's love for each of them. And the gifts you put in those shoe boxes will meet needs and give them joy. In June, your assignment is to bring flip-flops, socks, and soap. Now, isn't that a fun combo? I'm not suggesting that anyone wear socks with their flip-flops, but they certainly will need soap to wash those dirty feet after wearing the flip-flops. Thought that was a good combo. And let me tell you, real cute flip-flops at the Dollar Tree. Don't need to buy expensive ones. We have received many donations already of soap and washcloths. So we only need about 80 bars of soap. And do remember that ivory soap floats in those rivers where many people are bathing. And we only need about 40 washcloths. I hope you'll remember this fun combo as you go shopping in your regular places in the month of June and bring them on in. The um, donation box is right in the foyer of the sanctuary. Will you be a blessing to a needy boy or girl with flip-flops, socks, and soap? Thank you. Psalm 118.24, this is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen? Okay, well, you know how we do our call to worship, right? Dwight usually plays and y'all talk and mingle and hug and mug or whatever it is you do. We're going to do the same thing today, but it's going to be led by the bells. So I'm going to start the bells playing, and I know you're going to want to sit quietly and listen, but don't. Not right away. Get up, say hello to a neighbor, say hello to a visitor. You will hear them start singing, Our God is an Awesome God. Join in, sing with us. I will sit you down, and they will finish. Um, our God is an awesome God. Let us re rejoice in the fact that he is. Okay, so please stand, start talking, and try not to listen to the bells. <laughs>
awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns on heaven and earth. Shall we pray? Gracious and loving God, into your presence we come on a day that you have given to us where we can proclaim to the world that indeed you are an awesome God. Your love for us is greater than we ever could understand. We pray, Father, that as we gather for worship today, that we will do so with the full assurance that you are present with us. Listen, Father as we listen to you, accept our praise and our adoration. Allow us, Father, to see more clearly your love for us through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Um, we're doing things a little differently this year. Usually the mission groups have their recognition on Wednesday nights. Um, but as you know, in the fall, we started on a different schedule, and the winners are meeting, and we're happy that, to have that extra group. And we meet on Sunday nights, but we're going to just um, have a brief time of recognition. Uh, you'll see all the leaders and children's names mentioned um, in your insert. And I would like to make one correction. Um, I was sorry that I put um, Miss Connie Davis, I gave um, Jean the wrong date. She actually passed away in March, but we really miss her. And um, she helped us for three years, and the, she loved the mission friends. I mean, she just thought they were precious and adorable, and so do we. And they, uh, we have certainly missed her these past few months. Um, so we're going <clears> to, <throat> before the children come up and sing a chorus, and then you'll see a, a slideshow of the GAs and RAs, and they'll receive their badges that they earned for, the, for this year. And I just want to um, highlight one thing. 
course, we learned, we always learn a lot of things in our mission groups, missionaries in our country and all over the world. Um, so that, and we did have Becky Corson come and visit us, I believe it was in April, and she shared about what it, what it means, um, how to become a kid missionary, not a missionary kid, because they're different. But she came and visited us that night, all the three mission groups. I mean, we just had a wonderful time. The children learned a lot, we learned a lot, and we were glad to have her come and join us. So when the children come up here to sing their chorus, and they'll be holding uh, their version of the world. And um, since, you know, we thought that would be a good song to sing since we study missionaries all over the world. And I just want to thank all the teachers again um, who uh, led the groups this year. We've had a wonderful uh, group of teachers and children. And um, so I'll just bring them up to you now. And I, and I appreciate the parents and grandparents getting them here on Sunday nights. Okay, children?
stand up. <laughs> oh, Janine, come on. <laughs> I just want my RA and GAs to please come forward. Just real quick. We had a great year. We had many faithful GAs and an RA that stuck through it. And we have some patches that they did earn. All right, for doing different things, meeting the missionary, participating in Lottie Moon and Annie Armstrong. So I have Abigail, here's your patches. Kendall. Stephanie. Catherine. Presley. And Dalton. We had the best time, and I think they really liked the hot chocolate we had every night, most of all. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you, parents, for bringing them. Great time. I have to get with the agenda here. I wanted to reiterate what others have said and thank the leaders and the parents and the children who participated in our Sunday night activities. It's obvious that they had a positive, wonderful experience and it was a learning experience in Christ. And we are so appreciative of everyone's efforts on their behalf and, and the participation of the children in our Sunday night activities. I invite you now as we continue our celebration this Sunday morning and as we think about it being Communion Sunday to take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 252, Down at the Cross. Let's stand together as we sing hymn number 252.
when Jesus met with his disciples in the upper room and he instituted what we have come to know as the Lord's Supper by giving them the symbol of his body and his blood. I think he was also doing something else. He was showing them how far his actions were willing to take him. He was showing them that for their forgiveness, he was going to give his all. And because of that, he expects no less of his disciples. And so he gave us these remembrances as a way to remember him, of course but to remember him in action, being witnesses of what's in our heart, what Jesus has done for us. And so I believe that's why when Paul writes about this later, that he encourages us not to take this lightly because it is of a very serious nature to be willing to lay down your life on behalf of others. And so he calls us to be witnesses, to be responsible before him for what he has given us. So as we remember, we remember looking forward to what we can do for Christ. Because what you hold in your hands is a symbol of what he was willing to do for you. So on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and blessed it. And he said to his disciples, for as often as you eat this, remember me. After they had took the bread, Jesus took the cup and said, This is the new covenant in my blood. For as often as you drink it, remember me. Paul reminds us that for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. I'd like to add to what Tim has said about our program tonight. Um, we have just participated in communion, which is certainly one of the tenets of our faith. Music is also something that we use to share and um, bring our faith to others. And tonight you will have the opportunity to see in action all of the music groups and music ministry that are a part of our church. And I think that you will be blessed by this, and I think that you will enjoy this, and I hope that you will come out tonight at 7 and enjoy the adult choir, the ladies' ensemble, 
the Sounds of the Spirit handbell group, the instrumental ensemble, the children are going to be performing for us, the hand chimes, um, the praise band will be helping out and, and singing some special numbers for us. And there will also be a time for congregational sing-along participation. We're going to be seeing some of your good old favorites as well as some of your favorite praise choruses. And I think that it will, it's been a blessing to those of us who have been working on the program to prepare for it. And I think it will be a blessing to you to be a part of it. Come out tonight at 7 and see what our music ministry here at Mechanicsville Baptist is all about. Um, right now I'd like for us to take our hymnals and turn to hymn number 364 as we think about sharing our faith. Let's sing the hymn, Send the Light. Please stand together as we sing. There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves. Send the light, send the light. There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. standing for our offertory prayer. Good morning. For the blessing of this and all our days, we thank you, gracious God. Accept, we pray, not just this money, but also our lives freely offered in gratitude for all you have done for us. 
Use them both in this place and wherever you might take us. Amen.
Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, again we bow in your presence on this day that you've given to us, rejoicing in the gift of our times together. Recognizing, Father, that we come from various situations and backgrounds, but we come here, Father, to worship you and to listen for a word from you. How grateful we are, Father, for the service that we have already been a part of. How thankful we are for our children and for their teachers and leaders as they teach them the work of the missionaries. Father, we are all on mission for you. We all have a place to work and to serve. And we call upon you, Father, to speak to us in ways that we can clearly understand where you would have us to be and what you would have us to do. For those of our church family, Father, who are hospitalized, for those who are recuperating from illness and injury, we lift them before you. We pray for healing and strength and encouragement. And for those who have lost loved ones, even in recent days, Father, we give them to you. And pray that you will bless them and comfort them. We're thankful, Father, for the power of your love to redeem. And for the hope that rests in knowing that as we walk with you in this life, we will walk with you in eternity. Be with those, Father, even in this room at this very moment who are hurting, who are anxious, who are concerned about tomorrow. Help us to focus and to concentrate on you. For we make this prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, under the title, A Witness to the World. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. There was a little boy who returned home after his first Sunday school class. His mother asked, who was your teacher? And the little boy answered, I don't remember her name, but she must have been Jesus' grandmother because she didn't talk about anyone else. (laughs) Does our conversation reflect our love of Jesus? Would our words give away our relationship with Him? Church, home, work, and private devotions do not exhaust the theaters of Christian conduct. The Christian life has a public circumference. Here, living for Christ demands wisdom, opportunism, graciousness, especially in conversation, as Paul would tell us, and readiness to testify in apt and appropriate ways. Professing Christians live a life of faith in God and obedient response to the Holy Spirit. We also live in a world that is often hostile to Christ, or worse still in our society today, indifferent to Christ. Our response to the world around us is crucial to our Christian response of identification with the world. Our response is important. We so closely identify ourselves with the world sometimes though that our lives can hardly be distinguished from that of a non-Christian. Another response that Christians sometimes make is withdrawal from the world. We try to shut out entirely the world around us and live in our own little private, well-protected world with our walls built up so that we need not discuss anything with anybody. But neither of these is a proper response. The proper response for Christians is to be responsible witnesses in the world. We live in the world. We make our living in the world. We associate with people of the world. Therefore, we should give a responsible witness of our faith to the world. Our faith should be the guiding principle for our lives. Our encounter with God in worship gives us strength and power for daily living. Our character Growing out of our relationship of faith in God gives silent but eloquent witness of the meaning of faith and salvation. Through our very lives, we are salespeople, if you will, for salvation. Our personal relationship with Jesus Christ must be shown to other people for them to come to terms with the personal relationship they need with Christ. May 26, 2002, Memorial Day weekend, a barge pilot passed out and hit a bridge span on Interstate 40 over the Arkansas River. This accident dropped a 600-foot span of the bridge 62 feet into the swift-flowing river below. 
Eleven people and a trailer full of show horses died as their cars and 18-wheelers dove over the edge of the missing span, one piling on top of another. There were several fishermen on the river in a bass competition who saw the bridge collapse. Realizing that the cars and trucks were still coming, one of the fishermen below the bridge reached into the boat's emergency kit for the emergency flare. Whipping the flare up into firing position, the fisherman let the missile fly up, up, and over the edge of the last standing bridge span. That one flare providentially hit the windshield of the next 18-wheeler, speeding down I-40 at 70 miles an hour. The shock driver hit the brakes and his front tires slid over the drop-off, putting his truck in reverse. He pulled his wheels back up on the bridge, warning the other drivers. Another boat of fishermen saw a man under the damaged barge who was holding on for dear life and got a flotation device to him and pulled him into their boat, affecting the rescue. One man's, the river pilot error resulted in the death of many. Eleven people died. One man's quick thinking and action, the fishermen saved the lives of many. The continued action of other fishermen saved the life of one who was savable but sinking. We have an emergency flare as well. And that emergency flare is the gospel. The question is, will we pull it out to save the lives of others? Seeing people sinking down, about to go under, will we throw them a lifesaver, Jesus? Or are we afraid someone will think we are silly and stupid for firing a flare or throwing a lifesaver? That's the question we must ask ourselves. That's the reality of what Christ puts before us in his death, in his burial, and in his resurrection. Are we willing to tell others what Christ has done for us? Elton Trueblood once said that faith lives or dies not by what goes on in churches, but by what as a result of the churches goes on outside of them. This is what the Apostle Paul meant by these two verses in the last chapter of his letter to the Colossians. He urged them, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, meaning those who are outside the Christian fellowship. He had both an offensive and defensive purpose in mind. The defensive purpose was to go after outsiders and bring them into the Christian fellowship and to faith in Christ. This is still our witness to the world. And so as we celebrate with our children today missions, we must ask ourselves how willing are we to be missionaries? Let's look at Paul's words. First, our witness to the world involves our time in the world. Paul may have been thinking of the unwise aggressiveness, self-righteousness and denunciation too often shown to unbelievers, but more probably he is concerned with the wisdom required to testify to people effectively. Our paramount duty towards others is that we bring them to Jesus. 
First, we are to seize every opportunity at any cost, which is the way Paul expresses making the most of the time. Paul's words suggest cornering the market in opportunity or buying back the present time from its evil obsessions into usefulness again. So Christ bought back us from the curse. We all live constantly in strictly measured days and must grasp the fleeting moment. We live as though we have all the time in the universe, but in reality, we don't. Time is a fleeting thing. And so Paul is saying here, do not waste your time. Do what God has called you to do. We should use our time well. We are told to redeem the time, which means literally to buy up the time. We should use our time to witness. We must take every opportunity to witness. John A. Broadus, one of the founding professors at Southern Seminary, said that opportunity is like a fleet horse that pauses for one moment by our side. If we fail to mount in that moment, we can hear the clatter of its hooves down the corridors of time. We missed our opportunity. How many missed opportunities do we have because we concentrate on the wrong things? How many missed opportunities in our personal witness have we lost because we think there will be time tomorrow to do what we ought to do today? Second, our witness to the world involves our walk in the world. We should walk with wisdom in our witness. Paul's instructions in Colossians may be a gentle warning about the methods of witness. We must use wisdom and discretion in presenting the claims of Christ to those who do not know Him. I said earlier we live in a very indifferent world when it comes to a relationship with Christ. We're trained to think certain ways and to act certain ways. We are trained to think rationally. And there's nothing rational about the grace of Christ because it's given to us even when we don't deserve it. And we must find ways to share that message so that others can see their need for a Savior. We should walk with wisdom in our practices. The kind of life we live before the world is encompassed in the world that we walk in. As we walk in the world, we must ensure that our walk is consistent with our talk. Our actions speak so much louder than our words. We must walk as we talk. Our actions and our words must be equal and just as loud. Paul understood the significance of what was at stake. I'm afraid that we don't. He is using and employing every method he possibly can in his inspired writings in the New Testament to get us to see more clearly what our role is as being followers of Jesus Christ. But not only is our witness to the world involving our walk, it also involves our talk to the world. We are to be wise in testifying if we let our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. More clearly, grace has its classical meaning in this passage. Pleasant, agreeable, charming disposition, sweetness of courtesy, of conversation, which could be in Paul's mind. Those who can only speak of religion to the unbeliever and that not always graciously may need to be be told to speak with graces as well as with grace. 
Paul says we need to be what we need to be in order to reach people. In Greek, salty speech often meant witty conversation. Seasoned might imply pertinent, interesting speech, not empty words. Immediately, the sole aim is not to please people and their Our limits to our agreeableness. We cannot compromise the message, but we must share the message with people in a way that they understand. Isn't that what Jesus did? As he approached people and as people approached him, he talked to them out of the situations that occurred. And there were those that were present who didn't want it to be that way. Remember what they would always fall back on? The woman that was caught in sin, the sin of adultery. Remember they said to him, the word says, to the law says to stone him. They were painting her with a broad stroke. But what did Jesus say? He talked to her, didn't he? He listened to her story. He heard what she had to say. And he redeemed her, didn't he? Because he listened to her. So many times we make our conclusions today about other people by what other people say about them, don't we? In social media, on television, and all of the kinds of ways that we talk about people in this day and time. We hurt people's feelings. We destroy people's lives. We assassinate their characters without ever even speaking to them. Jesus said, if you're going to be a witness for me by example, didn't he? You need to talk to people. Our talk should be full of grace. Our conduct is marked by grace, so our speech should be marked by grace. Grace implies kindness, goodwill, and tact. This is the kind of talk that witnesses for Christ. Kind, courteous, tactful, not loud, coarse, or rude. Our talk should be well-seasoned. This kind of talk has the ring of reality about it. Many years ago, a Hindu woman was converted in a different culture and subsequently suffered much persecution from her husband because he didn't like the fact that she had become a Christian. When the missionary asked her what she did when her husband became angry with her, she replied that she cooked his food better. When he complained, she swept the floor cleaner. When he spoke unkindly, she answered him mildly. She tried to show him that when she became a Christian, her life changed even if his didn't. She was not subjecting herself to abuse. She was simply being gracious in a very difficult situation, understanding how important it was that her husband had the opportunity that she had to be saved. Because when you realize what you have been saved from, you will go after your loved ones. Our talk should be directed to individuals as we answer everyone. We can be sure that we will talk to individuals. Stock answers and memorized replies won't suffice. We should meet each occasion with answers tailored to the person with whom we are talking. And Paul said so. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Wisdom 
in testifying will know how to answer everyone, each type differently, each case appropriately, each individual personally. Jesus and Peter stress readiness to answer the outside as Peter expresses in 1 Peter 3.15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. To know the right time to speak demands patience. To understand the person addressed demands sympathy. But such gracious, effective testimony is the final test of living for Christ before the outside world. It all comes down to an understanding. If we want to reach people for Christ, we will appropriate our lives in such a way that they can reach people. George Sweeting in his book, The No Guilt Guide to Witnessing, tells of a man by the name of John Currier who in 1949 was found guilty of murder and sentenced to life in prison. Later he was transferred and paroled to work on a farm near Nashville, Tennessee. In 1968, Currier's sentence was terminated and a letter bearing the good news was sent to him. But John never saw the letter nor was he told anything about it. Life on that farm was hard and without promise for the future, yet John kept doing what he was told even after the farmer for whom he worked had died. Ten years went by. Then a state parole officer learned about Courier's plight, found him and told him that his sentence had been terminated. He was a free man. Sweeting concluded the story by asking, Would it matter to you if someone sent you an important message, the most important in your life, and year after year the urgent message was never delivered? We have a message to share. Paul tells us to use our time wisely, to speak with wisdom, to do what is necessary to show others Christ in you. We have heard the good news and experienced freedom through Christ. And we are responsible to proclaim it to others still enslaved by sin. Have you heard the message? Have you responded? Are we doing all we can to make sure that people get the message that Christ died for their sins, was buried and rose again, defeating death now and forevermore? Paul's instructions to the Colossians are important for us today. We have in this letter a challenge to take the initiative in witnessing for Christ. The question is, will we accept the challenge? People come and go in our lives at all periods of time in our lives. Yesterday I had the honor and privilege of conducting a funeral for two of my high school classmates' mother, Millie Pollock. She passed away a couple of weeks ago and we had a memorial service for her in the Falling Springs Presbyterian Church, founded in 1748. The church was erected in 1864. We gathered there 
and I told one, uh, several stories, but one in particular I told was about a cold day in November 1981 when we had all found our way. Uh, I was a freshman in college, and Tech was playing VMI, and it was cold. The coldest football game to this day, with the exception of one I sat through watching the Washington Redskins lose in overtime, mind you, to the Cincinnati Bengals in 1988. I remember these things. When it's cold, I remember. It wasn't like it is today. The stadium was pretty much, Millie and I had one section of the stadium to ourselves. The wind was blowing and howling. I was a freshman and I was homesick. Her son was not sitting with us because he was a student at VMI and so therefore he was with the cadet corps. And so Millie and I sat there, her screaming as loud as she could for, for VMI and me for Tech. It was the last time Tech lost to VMI. Six to nothing in that cold weather. So I recounted that story while I was there at the service yesterday, and I ended it with this. Even though we were rooting for opposite teams, Millie was gracious in victory. And for me, because of my homesickness, she made a cold day a little warmer because she was familiar. You see, that's how we reach people. We reach them by spending time with them. We reach them by sharing with them our lives. Because if the truth be told, we're not all that much different. We all stand in need of a Savior. We all have concerns for family and friends and even for ourselves. But within us, dare I say in this cold world, we have something that can make it warmer. Shall we pray? Eternal Father, we're thankful for your servant Paul. For he shows us very clearly the importance of being proper witnesses for you. So that we can reach people with the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Help us, Father to search our hearts to see what we're willing to do to help others find their way to the Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our invitation hymn is, I will sing of my Redeemer. I would say that if... Uh, Linda didn't pick that providentially. The Lord did. Because we've already said one of the ways that we tell others of Jesus is through song.
we use whatever we can so that people come to know Jesus. And how many of us have a song in our heart that was put there by God? The invitation is open to anyone who would receive Christ as Savior. Whatever your desire as we stand and sing hymn number 285. you can sing of your Redeemer, for certainly he paid the debt for all of us. Thank you for being a part of this time together. It was a good day. Uh, if you're marking time, I'm sorry we're over. I'm starting not to point it out, but give me a break. I didn't get it till 10 till, okay? So, uh, and I had something to say, so uh, I wanted to say what the Lord had on my heart. But thank you. Today is uh, the first Sunday of the month, so it is... Um, 
Benevolence Sunday, so there will be deacons at the door to receive your benevolence offering if you so choose to participate in that offering. Don't forget about the program tonight at 7 o'clock. Deacons, don't forget about deacons meeting at 5 uh, because of the program at 7. Let's bow for a benediction. Eternal God, as we leave today, we leave with a song in our heart, that song being the song of redemption. May we be your witnesses in the world as we seek to serve you wherever we go and whoever we encounter. Bless us, Father, as we leave, contemplating your grace for us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.